you are a truck driver, an Amazon driver, UPS, you name it, right? And you're based in the general vicinity of New York State, let's say, right? And you're responsible for, you know, uh, transporting certain goods and what have you uh, relative to certain military contracts, nothing classified, but, you know... on the human angle of things, you sort of get a wink and a nudge because you're such a good, respected, on-time, trusted employee. You know, you're, you're, you're tasked with driving closer and closer to certain military bases that you know are totally out of your purview with respects to your level of knowledge, clearance, you name it, because you're simply just, you know, a truck driver, Amazon, UPS, but you do your job so damn well that you are tasked with, you know, in uh, delivering certain packages, if you will, to individuals that are located and situated within that of the vicinity of the military base. So, one day you're driving, right? in upstate New York, let's say, and you're getting into farmland, right? And you're, you're just, you know, going about your day, you got maybe earphones in your ears, your truck driver listening to a podcast, you know, and all of a sudden, you see a black helicopter fly by, very silent black helicopter, right? Very strange looking, and you go, okay, like, this is strange, but, you know, and you sort of fall into the area of, you know, UFOs, ETs, you follow the topic, but you don't think much of it. The next day, you're on the same exact trail or route, if you will, and as you're going, in the exact same spot that you saw this black helicopter, okay, except it's a little bit later in the day, it's much more darker in the evening time at the, in the second day, you see in that exact same spot where the helicopter was, you see a UFO, what seems to be a UFO, and then a smaller UFO comes from beneath that light, and they turn into glowing orbs, almost as if they don't want to be seen, and then that smaller orb, if you will, or probe, whatever you want to call it, ascends back into and integrates itself back into the larger UFO and all of a sudden that UFO just zooms off or disappears and you don't know what happened. Interestingly enough, you start asking questions. You have some friends in the military. You've made some connections over time, right? Within that of those in the intelligence circle and you name it because you've been a trusted driver to sort of, you know, uh, deliver certain objects. Again, nothing too crazy, but they trust you. You start asking questions and you have a friend in the military who says, no, 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 no. I was at that base, I was stationed there that day, and I know exactly what that was. And you say, okay, hold on. I saw the black helicopter the first day, but then the second day, I saw the exact same thing, except not a black helicopter, it was a UFO. Which one was it? And your friend who's in the military says, listen, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but it was both. And you go, what? What do you mean? It's either it appeared on one day or it didn't. And why was the helicopter there the day before the UFO appeared? Shouldn't it be there the day after? Because the event hasn't occurred yet. And your friend says, no, 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 you're looking at it the wrong way. You're assuming time is linear. That UFO was present both that day when the black helicopter was there, except it was invisible, but it was also there the day after. And the military knew about this, which is why they sent the black helicopter out to go investigate. Now, before I jump into all this, I just want to say that we do have a Patreon. It does help support the show. www.generationz.com slash, uh, sorry, patreon.com slash generationz. I'd like to thank everyone who signed up, everyone who's a member, new or old or just returning. Love all you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much. Now, today's episode is called The Redstone Arsenal. Harness gamification to dilute China's cube moon potency. Now, I do want to give a very special shout out to Joshua Williams. Brother, thank you so much. It's because of Joshua I was actually able to formulate this example, so I do not want to take the credit when it is not mine. With that being said, let me know, folks, what you think of the new setup, the new quality. We're going to be trying a bit more of an interactive sort of format today. If you don't like it, I promise we'll go back to doing the old style, but just bear with me here. So first, let's understand very strongly what gamification is, and then hopefully that example I gave at the very 
very beginning just now will bring everything full circle because again it is an omnipresent I guess you could say energetic vehicle that when it creates that energetic void around it time and space are relevant so it is allowed to actually exist at multiple points in time similar to the film Tenet right it's not so much about perception as much as it, as it is about the actual entropy of that related event occurring in an esoteric faction, uh, fashion, excuse me, which then transitions into the nuts and bolts phenomenon, which we see today, which we can relate to the materialistic angle of things. But let's jump right into it. So first off, let's take a look right over here, folks, at gamification. Now, I'm going to close my screen here a little bit, as you'll see. So please bear with me if you don't like this style. I won't do it ever again. But if you do, then we'll, we'll interact like that a little more. Gamification is the strategic attempt to enhance systems, services, organizations, and activities in order to create similar experiences to those experienced when playing games in order to motivate and engage users. Now, before I go on, I just want to say we can overlap this in a Venn diagram sense with that of the sort of fictional intelligence apparatus, where fictional books, fictional forms of media are written to help redirect mass consciousness to focus on a certain event that will more likely curate that event to probability of reality in this world if mass consciousness is focused on it. And many of you have known that I've covered this quite extensively. We could argue 9-11 was a big, big one of that sort of fictional intelligence, if you will. But again, we can debate that. That's for a separate conversation. This is generally accomplished through the application of game design elements and game principles, dynamics and mechanics in non-game context. context. Excuse me. It is part of persuasion system design and it commonly employs game design elements to improve user engagement all right now this is again when we take a look at this right over here we're going to see very strongly that it actually does have to it actually does excuse me have positive effects on individuals however individual and contextual differences exist okay now here's what i want to take a look at next let's jump right over here theguardian.com china modified the weather to create clear skies for political celebration according to a study researchers say beijing used cloud seeding to create artificial rain and lower pollution in july in latest example of blue skying efforts Okay, now take a look at this right over here. The Chinese government has been an enthusiastic proponent of cloud seeding technology, spending billions of dollars on efforts to manipulate the weather to project agricultural regions or improve significant events, including the 2008 Olympics, end quote. Now, interestingly enough that this is all coming out now, but take a look at some of the distractions relative to what we're witnessing within that of the mainstream media. And what I mean by distractions are these right here. I'm going to be pulling up some of these images, excuse me. I just need to pull them up very, very quickly. And... Here we are. Please forgive me, folks. I'll be putting this up in editing. My, There we go. Here we are. My apologies, guys. Take a look at this photo right here. All right. This is from Apollo 15, from NASA's archive site. They're now slowly but surely actually putting pictures of UFOs in their archives. All you have to do is dig and look, okay? Th these are all photos from Apollo 15. Now, take a look at this particular photograph right over here. This right here, folks, please forgive me if I'm a little rusty, I promise I'll get better, is the cube that allegedly China's rover spotted on the moon that, you know, the, everyone's all in, up in arms about. What is it? What is it? Now, that's that photo right there. But let's take a look at this particular photograph over here. This right here, folks, is the unscrubbed photograph. This was the cube that we saw that's in the article. This is the unscrubbed, uh, uh, the unscrubbed version. Doesn't take much to notice, does it? Looks kind of like a complex. Sort of, right? So again, when we know that, we then have to understand as well, too, this right over here. Mysterious skies. Incredible video shows 12 UFOs flying in formation as pilot exclaims, that is some weird... 
part of my English, shit. A video shot from an airliner cockpit has emerged showing what appears to be a fleet of 12 UFOs flying in formation. The pilot who shot the footage can be heard reacting in astonishment to the eerie lights that appeared and then vanished in clouds above the Pacific Ocean. Now we see here some of the photographs, but let's actually watch the full-on video. So let's take a look. That is some weird s**t. So, you folks want to know what I think about all of this? Just give me one uh, second very quickly, excuse me. I'm of the opinion, folks, truthfully, I'll tell you right now, that this is a tit-for-tat human game, so to speak, relative to the sort of interplanetary dissemination of what may come. Now, I'm not saying what's coming relative to extraterrestrial disclosure is good or bad, as I've said many, many times over. But what I am saying, however, folks, is that you notice for a second that the South China Sea was where those UFOs were spotted in a very, very strong, you know, formation, sort of like a militaristic formation. Interesting that that happens shortly around the same time that China announces... Uh, in, in the later days that there was a cube-like structure on the moon. Notice that those craft were flying over the South China Sea. Again, you remember what I said two, three months ago? Post-World War II was all about ensuring that the South China Sea and the Eurasian landmass was not taken over by one large institution, country, nation, conglomerate, organization, gang, whatever you want to call it, organized crime group, transnational set of elites, whatever. That was the goal. You think it's a fluke that all of a sudden you have these UFOs flying in formation along the South China Sea relative to what's happening within Taiwan and what the CCP is doing to provoke other nations, particularly the US, and then all of a sudden China comes out and they announce, oh, we got this cube-like structure on the moon. I think... I could be wrong, but I think what we are seeing here, folks, is a chess game of tit-for-tat of a, an international cover-up, but different factions saying, okay, you're going to play with me like this on a lower level of this chessboard. I'm going to mess with you like this on a higher level. It is multi-pronged chess. Now, here's what we're going to do as well. Let's take a look, by the way. Let me uh, bring it back to sort of a, uh, a smaller screen, if you will, for you folks. Let's take a look at this right over here. The Western Journal leaks. Feds impose keyword warrants on Google. Track anyone who looks up specific bad words. The United States government is reportedly attempting a new level of overreach by issuing keyword warrants to, uh, keyword warrants to Google. All right. In, a t in an attempt to crack down on online criminals, of course, that'll be the justification. Federal investigators are utilizing the so-called keyword warrants to order Google to provide personal information on anyone who searches a specific keyword in their browser, completely breaching an individual's privacy. All right. According to Forbes, this type of warrant has been used multiple times in the last five years to track down criminals. I just want to say there's much more about this that we'll be delving into into the members-only episodes, but I do want to say very strongly, this sort of pertains to that of the um, Isaac Cappy sort of situation. I have to be careful because of YouTube here, but you folks would understand for those that, you know, are very ingrained within the rabbit hole of all of this spectrum. Now, I bring this up because I would dare to argue this is an esoteric inversion or incursion of a multi-pronged apparatus, meaning that, again, if there are similarities between quantum physics 
all right, and what is being studied there and the internet, literally the internet, like a web browser and what the code comprises of that on a binary level. What you then have is the ability for interdimensional beings or technologies to be inserted into the internet via that of keywords, which only helps ingrain a much more focused and centralized form of consciousness. Now, you might be saying, okay, Dave, what do you mean by that, technically speaking? Well, look at this right here. IndianExpress.com, excuse me. Maharashtra, Mimer develops nanorobot for rapid cancer diagnosis. The new nanorobot-based diagnostic tool is likely to help improve cancer treatments and enable early interventions, a scientist at Mimer said. All right. The Maharashtra Institute of Medical Education and Research has developed a nanorobot that is programmed to capture and isolating cir uh, isolate circulating tumor cells. Now, the problem I have with this, folks, is not so much the resolution relative to what is being discovered here to sort of help humanity. The issue I take are those at the top disseminating such technologies because this is nothing new i would you may not agree with me but i would even go as far back as to say that this type of technology was available all the way back in the 1950s to tell you the truth but why is it coming out now could it be another form of drop feeding but then here's the thing too we also know recently that there have been recently announced self-replicating xenobots if you will and so what we see here is that if the ability for these i guess you could say uh, cancer diagnostics to wrap themselves around the different cells if you will we can see here it synthesizes multifunctional nanorobot using magnesium iron oxide Janus nanoparticles. Now, interestingly enough, the ma magnesium oxide and magnesium iron oxide is also that thin layer found allegedly on the Roswell craft in the Roswell crash back in 1947, excuse me, that prevented the magnesium from lighting up and igniting, okay? Now, interestingly enough, take a look at this right here. The findings were published recently in the peer-reviewed journal Communications Chemistry under the title, Water-Powered Self-Propelled Magnetic Nanorobot for Rapid and Highly Efficient Capture of Circulating Tumor Cells. Again, may help in improving cancer treatments, allow for better treatment control. Again, treatment control from what angle? From the doctors? You're, you're, you're staying at home and these doctors can say, oh, using their phones or their, their work phones, they could say, okay, time to increase the, up, the, the amount that my client or my, uh, my patient needs. Who are they to say? Again, this is pushing for that uh, artificial intelligence type of narrative and that artificial intelligence angle, which is not necessarily, we could say, maybe not a bad thing per se. It's not for me to say, however, okay, again, as to whether or not this is, I guess you could say, important per se, as to whether or not the direction of things are going is positive or negative. Again, I think it depends on perspective, but we haven't even gone to the best part. Look at this right here, the debrief.org. DARPA funded researchers accidentally discover the world's first warp bubble. Accidentally, give me a break. Warp drive pioneer and former NASA warp drive specialist, Dr. Harold G. Sonny White. Now keep in mind how all of these individuals are related to the Air Force, NASA, you name it, within the DOD umbrella, which is why it's called the Redstone Arsenal. We'll get to that very shortly, but take a look at this right over here. According to White, all right, the first of its kind breakthrough by his Limitless Space Institute team sets a new starting point for those trying to manufacture a full-sized warp-capable spacecraft, end quote. If those at the top, Zodiac, Majestic 12, whatever you want, want to call it, didn't want this getting out, they simply would have just did what was what occurred over here. They simply would have just not, um, excuse me, they simply would have just not published the, uh, the, the research. But over here, they published it. So you see what I'm saying? There's an approval process that is totally off the books. Now, let's continue on. Take a look at this right over here. Study finds a striking difference between neurons of humans and other mammals. The human brain makes a striking deviation from the normal building plan. Interesting. It's not like, you know, 
12, 13,000 years ago, something occurred that is being completely covered up, right? Neurons communicate with each other via electrical impulses, which are produced by ion channels that control the flow of ions such as potassium and sodium. In a surprising new finding, MIT neuroscientists have shown that human neurons have a much smaller number of these channels than expected compared to the neurons of other uh, mammals. Now, the researchers hypothesize that this reduction in channel density may have helped the human brain evolve to operate more efficiently. Now, before we go on, Let's just say that it did in a natural form. It would have taken way longer than what's occurred within the last, say, 10 to 70,000 years relative to that of the Homo sapien evolutionary scale. I'm not a, an evolutionary biologist by any metric, but I don't think it takes that. You don't need to be, uh, you know, uh, have a degree to realize, okay, evolution takes time, like real serious time, not 50,000, 100,000 years, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of years, right? So let's take a look at this right over here. If the brain can save energy by reducing the density of ion channels, it can spend that energy on other neuronal or circuit processes, says Mark Harnett, an associate professor of brain and cognitive sciences, a member of MIT's McGovern Institute for Brain Research and the senior author of the study. Harnett and his colleagues analyzed neurons from 10 different mammals, the most extensive electrophysiological study of its kind, and identified a building plan. Now, hold on a second. Let me just say very poignantly, what they don't want you to notice are things like this. The most extensive electrophysiological study of its kind. Why now all of a sudden? that it could be funded. Why now all of a sudden that this article is being written on BigThink.com, big mainstream media website, big beautiful expose for the article. I'm serious, because all, it all has to do with the presentation relative to that of the dissemination of es esotericism between that of yourself as an individual and between that of the esoteric and energetic incursions, all right? Now, take a look at this right over here. En.xahoi.live, I don't even want to try to pronounce that, I'll probably butcher it. 150,000 years old metal pipes in Tibet contradict the official history. Interestingly enough, it is said that there is a mountain in Tibet that contains a network of special formations that extend to the nearest lake. Many researchers believe that this is an artificial pipeline system, but strangely enough, its origin dates back to the era of the Neanderthals. Again, uh, just complete contradictions over and over and over again relative to that of the main academia in history and what we're now seeing. And of course, interestingly enough, the Tibetans made deals with Nazis, didn't they? The Tibetans made deals with the Americans after, uh, after World War II, didn't they? Huh... But nothing to see here, guys. Nothing to see here, right? It's uh, no, no clue what's going on. No, no idea whatsoever. Look at this right here. Vice.com. Internal documents reveal NASA's UFO talking points. I am fully expecting Europa to have giant squids in the under-ice ocean world, one, wrote one scientist. According to newly released internal documents, NASA is keen on emphasizing its ongoing and impressive work searching for evidence of extraterrestrial life, but less keen on examining evidence brought to it by concerned citizens, like the one who wanted NASA scientists to examine a fascinating UFO alien cooking pot. All right. The citizen proposed was evidence of alien life or interdimensional travel. End quote. Now, interestingly enough, here's what we're going to find too. When it comes from citizens, you actually have to do something with that data, which is why they don't do it. Do you see what I'm saying here, folks? Again, this is why, for example, you have uh, Bruce Fenton, fantastic gentleman, the author of Exo, uh, Exogenesis Hybrid Humans, saying that there are actual cases where individuals were abducted onto UFOs and they were being, by what seemed to be humans, it could have been camouflaged aliens, you name it, but they were being cooked pancakes. And one of the one of the individuals was able to take that pancake, and there was no sodium in the pancake, which is impossible for food on this planet. So how was that even a thing? Again, imagine if this individual tried to take this literal pancake, you know, box it up, ask the aliens if they could take it. I know how silly this sounds, but box it up and bring it to a scientist on Earth and say, listen, you might not believe me that I got abducted, but check out this pancake. And, and I, I know that sounds silly, 
But guess what's going to happen? That pancake's going to go missing. Just like the medals that Jacques Vallée mentioned about going missing. That again, he carries around his lab because he, as he said on the, the podcast with James Fox and Joe Rogan, these things have a quote-unquote funny way of going missing. Now, let's take a look at this right over here. This is readingreligion.com. Rainbow Body and Resurrection. I, I don't remember who exactly brought this up. It was on a members-only Zoom call. Thank you so much, my friend, whoever it was. Okay, we take a look here. Father Francis V. Tizo is known for his pioneering achievements in the comparative studies of sainthood with regards to the life of the Tibetan yogin Milarepa and for studying the origins of Milarepa's hagiographic tradition. All right. Now, what we'll see here is that Father Tiso's new book is a more personal work spanning a set of themes which suggest the author's involvement in a quest for a non-dual experience and a universalistic meaning of death and the afterlife overarching the traditions of Catholicism and Tibetan Buddhism, the two religious perspectives that have shaped Father Tiso's life and career. End quote. Non-dual, folks. Let's look at this word right here. Non-dual experience. We're going to go now right back to the example I gave at the very beginning of this episode of, you know, you being a truck driver and saying, hold on, how could a helicopter for the military search for a UFO in the exact same spot a day before it even happened? Well, let's take a look at this right over here. Let's take a look at a very simple image, all right, of a grid, for example, representing that of space and time. Now, let's take a look, for example, at a traditional grid. Let's just say, uh, I don't know. This, this one right over here. Pretend this grid represents space and time. Now think about it. What is time? Time is measured based on, you know, our planet going around the sun, right? Very strongly because, you know, you have night and day and that's how, you know, the, the clocks, uh, as we understand them, at least how we're told our ancestral humans understood it, right? Not an expert in that historical angle, but you see what I mean. Take away, for example, the sun. Okay, without the sun, we wouldn't be able to know like, yes, I mean, we would have clocks that would continue, but pretend we took all that away, all digital clocks, all analog clocks, take the sun away. What's time? It's nothing. It, how could, because we're, time is something that we're just measuring relative to a certain event, sort of like, oh shit, I got to be at, you know, so-and-so for seven o'clock tonight. I'm running late. Do you see what I'm saying? And also that whole concept of, oh shit, I'm running late. That feeling of fault is also there within us. That is part allegedly of the Saturn moon matrix to suppress the energetic feeling of an omnipresent sort of centrifugal being within us. Now, interestingly enough too, it also has to do with sort of collapsing the vacuum into your own singularity, not self-destruction, but self-collapsement into one's own singularity relative to this grid. Now, if we take a look, for example, let me just make sure you folks can see it. Uh, this grid right here, fantastic. This grid represents space and time. Let's just say, for example, that my mouse is the craft that was seen, all right, on the second day. When the craft puts an energetic field around it, just like we always discuss, you know, the EMF fields around the UFO, around the alien craft. What then happens is that time and space are irrelevant. So what then occurs is that of unique cognitive human interface as leaked by Christopher Mellon's ATIP slides. Think of that as you will. However, it's, it, I'm trying to put this in the best way possible that I can, folks, but the craft in and of itself is essentially standing at a point within time and space. I, I say standing, we could say floating or just being present. But at the same time, because time and space are irrelevant to it, the craft internally, again, we're using alien technology as well, has the ability to view through some type of monitor within the craft all points in time and space in which it is present within that geographical vicinity. Does that make sense? So it is staying within the craft and it is staying within the energy field. And once it enters that energy field, they now, these beings have, or the inhabitants of the craft, humans too, now have access to all omnipresent points in time in which that craft can be in relative to the geographical placement that it's in within space and time being voided. Does that make sense? That is what would allow 
allow the craft to be present even the day before because it is not really present the day before. It is only present the day before according to the perspective of the truck driver. Do you see what I'm saying here, folks? So again, this is, it's a little bit of a difficult concept to grasp, but you know, we see here, right? For example, look, nexusilluminati.blogspot.com. New telescope observes otherwise invisible terrestrial entities with intelligent movement. A new report published in the latest edition of the American Journal of Modern Physics has revealed a startling finding. A newly developed telescope with concave lenses has observed for the first time entities in our terrestrial environment that are invisible to our eyes. All right, and it has to do with, again, the revolutionary new Santilli telescope. Disco the discovery was made by Dr. Ruggiero Santilli. Again, Santilli, conca uh, convex, uh, concave lens, and the Galileo telescope, convex lenses. And again, why is this not being used way more avidly and rapidly? You know when this was discovered, from my understanding? 2015, or 2016, excuse me, Monday, February 8th, 2016. At least that's when this article broke. So again, why is this not being used? Just like the Frederick Porti, uh, you know, alien sort of uh, DIA alien hunting binoculars that, uh, that, the, that the Air Force invested $750,000 in into Mr. Porti's uh, invention to see. Again, it's all over the place. It's all over the place. Now, take a look at this right over here. UFOAC.com. Just after lunchtime on July 7, 1957, Signore Luciano Galli, a businessman from the suburbs of Rome, was on his way back to work when a black Fiat drew up. Although a small man with delicate features was driving, it was the tall, swarthy passenger, a man with piercing black eyes, who said, Do you remember me? This provoked a strange response. Suddenly, Galli recalled having seen the stranger in the streets of Rome and had felt oddly drawn to him, but he had vanished into the throng. Galli said, I remember you. Sitting in his black car, the man asked, Would you like to come with us? All right. When the witness asked where to, the man smiled, replying, saying, have confidence. Nothing will happen to you. At that, Galli climbed into the car, which drove off to the Croata Ridge on the outskirts of the Italian capital, where they found a saucer-shaped UFO. A cylinder dropped down from underneath, which then opened up like a door. Again, this is consistent with Frederick Porti's images of the cylinder craft, of the different quantum radar-type binoculars being used relative to that of different AI cargo being dropped into the airspaces. After the tall man took the witness inside the cylinder ascended into the bowels of the ufo and two intense lights flashed in his face don't be afraid said the stranger with, with a laugh we have just taken your picture then the ufo shot away from the ground which galley could see disappearing fast beneath them through a sort of lens-like window in the floor almost immediately they were beyond the earth's atmosphere rapidly approaching a massive cigar-shaped ufo that galley estimated to be about 600 meters or 2,000 feet long and had an intensely bright light at one end with portholes through which yet more ufos could be seen leaving and entering interestingly enough if you check out my instagram there's some footage of the cigar shaped craft i believe it is the second most uh, recent post of mine if i'm not mistaken the alien said this is one of four spaceships they entered the mothership where they disembarked galley stared uh, stared around him saying later there was no less than four or five hundred people there standing and walking around the aliens took him on a tour of the ship showing him the con uh, the control room the lounges a comprehensive library and the captain's personal quarters then not quite four hours later he was back on earth where he had started from despite the sensational nature of his experience Galley said stoutly, I don't care what anybody says, this story is true, you can believe it if you wish, end quote. I mean, I'll be honest with you folks, it kind of reminds us of, you know, the Star Trek episodes when Captain Picard, Star Trek, um, uh, please forgive me, I don't remember the exact, uh, 
name of the series but when captain picard would go and bring other lesser uh, evolved species who were not familiar with the you know the prime directive or the the federation or the of starfleet and all that onto the ship it seems exactly like that again having to do with gamification fictional intelligence them crossing over in sort of a venn diagram fashion now again take a look at some of the cigar craft photographs that have been seen over the years right we see these are some very very clear photographs and again th these are the ones coming out of the water and we see over and over and over again the consistency is there now look at this right here ufoac.com they exist it's not a big secret a russian cosmonaut told about aliens and a secret uh, soviet program to study ufos it's not a big secret again he openly saying it right take a look at this right over here newsbud.com top general reveals russian intelligence documents secret technology antarctica and the escape of hitler again mentioning tibet what are the odds what are the odds? No, 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 there's no coincidence, nothing whatsoever. Don't worry about that whatsoever. Now, let's take a look at, excuse me, this right over here. Pardon me, folks, just a little bit rusty this time around. I promise I'll, I'll get better at this. SpiritualResearchFoundation.org Introduction to the Levels of Demonic Possession Demonic Possession is a complex issue where nothing is what it seems to cross uh, to the gross eye. Now, take a look at some of the steps. Mild Demonic Possession all right. This is even uh, this is a lay person having the means of his or her intellect and a basic understanding of demonic possession can understand from observing an individual's abnormal behavior, such as a photograph such as this behaving strangely again defying gravity this also by the way folks is what frantic missy was trying i believe was trying to say about again for those that had watched the interview with her about there being different kinds of uh, about sorry spiritual ghosts being present in more than one place at once however at a different density that would also explain the sort of proposal of the grid that I was discussing earlier, right? So again, we see this right over here. Then we have medium demonic possession, severe demonic possession, and again, the different kinds, right? Mild possession would be when a spiritual healer of 50% can cure the possessed person. Mild possession is when the possessing ghost has 25% control over the possessed person. There is a science behind this. Now, I'm not saying this is exclusive to that of the Christian faith, the Christian religion, you name it. But ultimately, again, we have to take into consideration a little bit of droplets relative to that of the Christian, Tibetan, Muslim religion, and many other religions and cultures as well. As we, you know, the Mesopotamians, the Sumerians, you name it. Now, take a look at this right over here. MedicalExpress.com. Efficient coding. This came out just yesterday by the way or two days ago as of the day i'm recording this forgive me how the brain optimizes allocation of resources all right a collaboration between CISA and the university of pennsylvania keep in mind folks by the way that who's giving the go-ahead for such collaborations right indicates the existence of an efficient process of sensory coding in rats suggesting a general principle for optimal use of computational resources the study published in eLife paves the way for an understanding of the underlying neuro neuronal mechanisms behind the efficiency and the development of artificial systems based on similar principles again that sort of ai dissemination from the grays from the dracos from the the, you know the, the certain faction of the zeta reticuli now look at this right over here the brains of human beings at rest are supposed to be use uh, are supposed to use a fifth of the energy produced by their bodies about 20 watts of power in fact the cost well we can argue because of the mind control grid it's much more suppressive than that but in fact the cost would be much more if our brains were not equipped with an efficient coding mechanism that allows us to represent only the information which is really useful in the vast ongoing stream of sensory stimuli oh sensory stimuli stimuli you speak of right you mean this one right over sensory stimuli like these two craft right here on the moon and if you say lens flare i totally fine with me what about this one right over here then again i'm not trying to you know be a given attitude or prove anyone wrong or anything like this but that's a lens flare as well that shape 
So again, notice how, again, the form of perception relative to that of the surface level dissemination of science is always facing back to that of artificial intelligence. Look at this right here, bbc.com. Oregon police seek clues in poisoning of eight wolves. All right. Police in the U.S. state of Oregon are investigating the poisoning of eight gray wolves found dead by officials earlier this year. BBC.com, Tanzania, seven die in Zanzibar after eating poisonous turtle meat. These little anomalies, if you want to call it, do not have relations within the respective events in which they've occurred geographically, but they have relations in an energetic sense. Why do I say that? Because if we take a look, for example, at this right over here, the red stone arsenal. I hope you folks are enjoying this, by the way, this sort of uh, presentation, if you want to call it. Um, take a look at this right over here. The Redstone Arsenal is a United States Army post and a census-designated place adjacent to Huntsville in Madison County, Alabama, U.S., and is part of the Huntsville-Decatur Combined Statistical Area. The arsenal is a garrison for various tenants across the Department of Defense, Department of Justice, and NASA. Interestingly enough, take a look at all the different... Again, these are the headquarters. I don't even want to comment on the geometry and, and all of this, but take a look at this right over here, right? We have the Department of Justice, NASA... The Department of the Army and the Department of Defense. That covers a lot, doesn't it? Doesn't that also conveniently cover an apparatus or an aspect of there being a major cover-up if necessary? Not only that, but again, new 21-story test stand at Redstone Arsenal. Was this not also in the Transformers films with Shia LaBeouf when in Transformers, I believe, number three, when the Transformers pretended to leave, uh, uh, to leave the planet? I say this because, again, going over that of fictional intelligence relative to that of, of course, gamification, that inversion into what we now see like things such as the metaverse is what is creating the overall concept of certain, uh, I guess you could say, elements or stories within the media to be reported in a way that that we may not think to be very prominent or uh, significant, but nonetheless is. So again, folks, I, I do want to say again, the collapse of the vacuum into your own singularity, it doing, not doing this rather, limits one's own senses. And you might say, okay, how, is, how would that be done? And I don't mean to get too overly energetic or, or overly esoteric or philosophical here, but ultimately using that same example I gave at the very beginning of this episode relative to that of the grid, um, again, the grid of, you know, representing space and time, bringing oneself through that of gratification on an esoteric level and on a materialistic level, bringing oneself and focusing on the present time and focus allows us to enable our senses so that we notice such connections in which are being made in this episode for example. So with that being said, folks, there's there's a lot of nuts and bolts sort of human strategy, self-China sea angle to this. There's also a lot of, you know, again, a lot of different moving parts esoterically, but I hope I explain this in the best way possible and we'll catch all of you very, very soon. Cheers.